Hi, we're Shannon and Jerry Arner. And our dog, Betty White. Your hosts of the Arner Adventures podcast. Could we have named it something more creative? Probably. But it's the name of our blog. It's our last name. We're on an adventure. Yada, yada, yada. After running our own business, working 24-7. And don't forget a mental breakdown in between. We made a lifestyle change and decided to make the most out of life. We sold our house, most of our belongings, downsized, and moved to the coast. We live life minimally, but fully. We live each day as an adventure. This show will help you learn how to live life more fully, with more intention, by experiencing more, and with less stuff. We'll talk about our own experiences, interview others who have much to share by creating a spark in our lives. Some days we'll share real life ongoings of what we're going through, and others will talk about our favorite flavor of waffle. Come join our adventure. It's, it's the, the Arner Adventures, Adventures Podcast. Podcast. Hello, everyone. I'm Shannon. And I'm Jerry. And of course, Betty White is here. She went on a toy in case you hear her. And we are back for episode 53 of the Arner Adventures podcast. Listen, today's podcast is so important, jaw-dropping with nuggets of inspiration. But before we get to our guests, let us tell you about this episode's sponsor. Yes, Southern Oak Artisan. Southern Oak Artisan makes 100% natural soy candles that we love. They have seasonal candles that we're really digging right now. All kinds of seasonal fragrances around the house, right? Yeah, yeah. indeed. Their hand-poured candle is curated with only the highest quality ingredients, 100% natural soy, the only kind we ever have in our house, mm-hmm. and clean fragrance oils. What I love is that their scents are gentle and they're not you know, overwhelming. They don't make you feel weird because they're non-toxic. <laughs> yeah. And they're not going to tarnish the air you breathe like other candles do. Yeah. They don't make you do say things you wouldn't nor ordinarily say. <laughs> right. They, they don't influence you in a bad way at all. at all. Right. Right. <laughs> you can go to southernoakartisan.com and use code ADVENTURE for 10% off of your candle order. We'll link it for you in the show notes too. Thank you to Southern Oak Artisan for all you do for the podcast. Yes. Thank you. Well, speaking of something else that's not overwhelming, <laughs> you love my segues? I love, I do. (laughs) Our guest today, Kai Harris, you know, with the topic of money, it can be overwhelming, Mm -hmm. but Kai talks about money. And before you get all tight in the chest, like I normally do panicked about the whole topic, this episode is going to really change the way you think about money. Kai truly opened our eyes to so much, right? Right. Oh, let's go ahead and get to the conversation. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, today's episode is about money. We do actually have a guest, but to get over the fear that many of us have about money, we're just going to get it right out in the open before we introduce him. Money is emotional. If money talk makes your palms sweat, you're not alone. Our relationship with money is incredibly personal and more than likely rooted in our upbringing. Most people struggle with the relationship with money. We're no different. But when that money feels directly tied to business, personal success, it can be even scarier, even more challenging. So we wanted to invite someone onto the podcast who can help us understand our relationship with money and turn that intimidating, confusing topic into one that empowers us. Our guest today is Kai Harris. Kai has been working in the financial sector for 17 years. His superpower is helping people change how they think and feel about money by helping you connect to what you value in life and creating a clear path to get there. Your stress will disappear. Your world will open up and you'll believe more is possible. Well, Kai, that sounds 
amazing. We can't wait for you to tell us <laughs> all you. about it. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me on. It's a definite, definitely a great topic to talk about, and it's relevant to just about every single person on the planet. So thank you for the opportunity. Yeah, and I'm glad you mentioned the planet because now that you're talking, people are saying, <laughs> oh, he's from Australia. So yeah. <laughs> I am. You probably pick it up a little bit from the accent. <laughs> I'll try and keep yeah. the lingo out of it today. <laughs> no, we would love it if you bring in the lingo. <laughs> we are really thankful, too, for accommodating the time difference and for helping us get through this whole money mindset conversation. So, yeah, you're the expert, so forgive us if we say things that might not be, you know, I, I feel like sometimes when we talk to experts, um, some experts will say, well, you know, you shouldn't think that way. So just, you know, just know we're, we're learning. <laughs> <laughs> we're all learning. It's never done. That's yeah, true. That's true. That's true. Very true. Well, before we get into the conversation, let's talk about that word money and <laughs> and think about what comes up for you when you hear it. <laughs> yes. Yes. What comes up in, in a lot of people and they might have just started this episode and they're going, oh, God, I don't know if we need to stick with this, but they need to stick with it. Uh, it brings up fear in a lot of people. I will be the one to say, and Jerry knows this, my biggest fear in life is money. And it's it makes me so anxious, so scared all the time. It's the first thing I think about when I wake up in the morning. It's the last thing I think about when I go to bed. And it's not in a positive way. It's always scarcity. And oh my God, what if what if we don't have enough in retirement? Oh my God, mm -hmm. what if you know this happens and what if we couldn't pay our bills or anything like that? Mm -hmm. So why do you think that that is such a difficult hurdle for some to get over? And why is it this big, huge fear? Well, first of all, if I was in front of you, I'd want to grab you and shake you and want to fix that for you. <laughs> yeah. like, why, why, why? <laughs> but the, um, and I've had to do that to myself. So <laughs> we spoke about this a little bit off air. What, what I talk about today is exactly what I've actually done. So I'm preaching what I've myself put into practice. And I've gone through the process of discovering exactly that why. Why was I so tense and worried about money? And I think one part of it, not I think I know, that one part of it is you touched on it just previously, very briefly, is that we're basically indoctrinated with it. It's hardwired into our psyche. It's our way of being. And it's so hard to detach from that because we give so much attention to it. We're taught that our our lives are virtually dependent on it. You know, you're not worth as much if you're not worth as much financially. Mm -hmm. we're, we're taught that success is pretty much defined by material gain. People who are high up in an organization or have a successful business are admired or it's like they're spoken about in a shining light. The very essence of who we are is never really celebrated. It's all about what's external to us and what we've accomplished. So when that becomes indoctrinated in us from a very, very young age and it gets uh, coupled with comments of, we can't afford that, we don't have any money. And if there's a feeling around that, so for example, if you ever had a situation you can cast your mind back to, you might have been nine years old, you're in the store and you're asking for something. And being a child, you're probably nagging about it. You're probably persistent because mm -hmm. you don't know any different. And then you get met with resistance. You get met with anger and frustration. So in that moment, from your parent that said, no, stop asking for it, go away, we don't have the money. So straight away, you've locked in that feeling. The association around that money is anger, fear, or you feel shame or guilt. 
So little things like that, I know it sounds a little bit far-fetched, but it's actually true. As children, we're just the biggest sponges. We absorb every single thing that's going on around us, not just what's said, but what's felt energetically. Right. So think about what's actually said and what you've experienced around money, but it's energetically what's in and around that. And as children, we're so connected. This is really taken off to left field now, but when we're born, we're our most spiritually connected. And as children, we grow, we gradually grow out of it until we become almost disconnected as adults. So we operate more from the conscious mind, but <clears throat> from a deeply spiritual connected children, we're absorbing everything that's coming in. Mm-hmm. And that is starting to shape who we are. And that's what becomes the ego. And the ego attaches itself to a belief or a theory around how life works, what money is, what money isn't. And all those sorts of things start building in your subconscious. And that's who you become as an adult. So there's a wow. bit in it. However, it's no mistake or no accident that you worry about money. You really just have to reflect on your past. You'll see where it comes from. Right, mm-hmm. which I can totally, yeah. I can totally yeah. see that. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Oh, God, that's interesting. You are a successful financial director. And as you were growing up, how were finances handled in your own family, if you don't mind sharing? Not at all. Uh, I haven't got permission from my parents, but <laughs> it is what it is. This is part of this is part of changing things within ourselves, and we don't necessarily have to enforce that on others. But as far as changing that within ourselves, it's recognizing what actually did happen. That's not to judge it as being right or wrong. So for me, my parents did what they knew how to do. They did their level best with the beliefs that they had about what it takes to manage money, make money, and generally life more broadly, making decisions to go after something. So you might for yourself have an opportunity that you really wanted to go after, but then that little voice of doubt creeps in and says, oh, I'm not sure I have the money. How are we going to do that? So money Mm -hmm. then stops us. So we attach Mm -hmm. so much security around it. I know in um, my household, money was portrayed as really scarce. Everything Mm -hmm. felt like it was measured. And there were comments like, you know, I can't afford it. And anything new that we bought, which was really rare, we rarely got new stuff, it was actually a really big deal. You know what I've realized? What's that, Jer? People think that when the temperatures cool down that you don't need to drink as much water. Dehydration can happen any time of year. Drinking water is important year-round. It's easy to stay hydrated with Liquid IV. Absolutely. Liquid IV is a hydration multiplier. It's a powder in a packet, so you can take them with you wherever you go. It's an electrolyte mix that you just add to your water. It delivers two to two and a half more hydration than water alone. So many flavors to choose from, too. Grape, tropical punch guava, passion fruit, strawberry. Okay, okay. Liquid IV has a ton of flavors. There is something for everyone. If you want your water to work harder for you, you should definitely try Liquid IV. And for our listeners, if you go to their website, liquid-iv.com and use code ARNERADVENTURES, you can save 15% and get free shipping. We'll link it in the show notes too. Liquid IV, fueling life's adventures. And that new thing that we got had to be preserved. Yeah. It was like it was a, almost a sin if something broke on it, got spilt on it, or you had to really look after it and preserve it because it was like this is the last thing you'll get for the rest of your life. Yeah. Mentality. Yeah. yeah. I think we both identify with that. Yeah. That kind of yeah. Thing. So that's that scarcity thing. It's like a, a mm-hmm. lack of abundance. There's a shortage. There's a shortage. You, you know, you can never get another lounge or you can never get another T-shirt. Or So if you mm-hmm. constantly, as I said before, indoctrinated with that mode of thinking, then that's what you become. That's what becomes true for you. That's what you believe. So the, I remember one time my my parents were, and I can look back on it now with an understanding of 
they went through many years of contemplating starting their own business. And they mm -hmm. actually did. And they eventually started, but the stress and pressure around that was pretty profound. So it wasn't an exciting opportunity. There was all the negativity around it. And I remember apparently they, they sold a car and my mother used to say, oh, we, we ate that car. So it was just, there was nothing exciting about, hey, we're giving this a go and this is great. And it was all about, oh no, this could go wrong. And there's stress and pressure around that decision. My yeah. dad worked incredibly hard, incredibly hard. He did hours of literally 60, 70, 80 hours a week, his whole life, my whole childhood. But we never really had anything to show for it. I never, And I mean that from a material point of view. Yeah. We lived well. We are always fed. We had clothes and we got to the mm -hmm. sport. We never missed out on going to sport and getting new boots and all those sorts of things. But there was nothing. There was material wasn't really, as I just touched on, but emotional as well. There wasn't a lot of joy in the household. Mm -hmm. It was all yeah. about work and grinding it out. And so yeah. I came to, and my brothers are different, but I came to associate work and grinding it out with not much reward. So where right. is it? What are we getting emotionally and materially? So that's Gosh. kind of yeah. yeah. You know, we, my, I don't think my mom cares if I say this. My mom did it we do it because you can figure it out in your head because you're like rain man with the math <laughs> but, but um we we do it even he set now. the benchmark didn't he rain man <laughs> <laughs> whether it's something that we we have to have a car repair or you know betty our dog has a vet bill or something comes up it's automatically going okay well it's going to be this many hours of work to do that. And, and we, yeah. we still do it. Oh God, that, you know how many hours of work that was that we did, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And my mom yeah. did that when, when I was younger, my mom would say, Oh God, you know, that's going to be X amount of hours that I have mm. to make up to do that. And yeah. I don't know if that happened in your household, but definitely in mine. And so everything you're saying, I'm like, gosh, it, it's almost, this is almost like therapy where it's, you know, you're yeah. going back and going, Oh, like it, it does stem from childhood. It, yeah. it stems from the way you were brought up. Yeah. Yeah. And I know that uh, one particular man that I've listened to a bit over the years, Dr. Bruce Lipton, he talks about, and I won't quote him exact, but the general theme of what he was talking about in this particular podcast I was listening to is that through the last trimester of birth or the last trimester of pregnancy up to your age seven, I don't know the percentage, but the large majority of who we are is what is created during those years. Mm -hmm. So wow. the energy and the tension and the whatever we're getting from mum or parents or our environment, plus what is said and what is kind of downloaded is what effectively becomes us, you know, teenagers mm -hmm. and adults. And there's more development that happens from age seven onwards. But from what I can gather, we're, the large part of who we become is in those first seven years. So what mm -hmm. you're taking in, like what you just related, Ben, around your mum, that's exactly what you came to believe was true. That's how mm -hmm. life is done. And that's yeah. why you are experiencing the same thing right now. Unless you wake up to it, which you have, that's a first step awareness. And yeah. then you're going to start changing it. At what point did you decide that, you know, your past had impacted the way that you think today about money? And when did it start of start changing? When did your mindset start changing about money? It was really, uh, ironically, it wasn't actually about money. <laughs> so it was actually about other things. So what I came, what the trigger point was for me was quite many years ago now, but it was basically no matter what I do, it just never feels like enough. I'm just not, I've achieved this and I've achieved that. I've set the goals and I've got there, but why am I still not happy? 
Why am I still frustrated? Why am I still troubled by what isn't happening, what isn't being accomplished? So that was the trigger point for me. And as I started to look into why I wasn't happy, my first go-to was that um, my dad was a, what seemingly on the surface was quite a hard man to a degree in the, that he would push and say, you can do better. So there was never a celebration about just being. There was never joy about just being. It was all about you'll get recognised when you accomplish something. Now, mm. I can look back on that now with a much, 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 much healthier point of view and go, he just wanted the best for me. He was just trying to get me to realise my own potential, right? Mm. So that was my go-to when I first started this. But the, the deeper I got and the more I confronted what was actually going on within me, I could see that it was all about, and this is a really, really key point here, it all stems from when we're talking about money, it all stems from our sense of our own our own self-worth and our own value. Mm-hmm. If we yeah. don't feel we're valued, like for example, if you're a a, a builder uh-huh. and if you don't truly value yourself, if you don't truly value your workmanship, you will charge your hourly rate a lot less than somebody who does value who they are. Yeah. Gosh, yeah. And that's so so your own sense of self-worth will then mm-hmm. dictate what sort of money flows to you. Because if you believe you're not worth that much, well, then you're not going to be worth that much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So <laughs> now for me, that was a trigger. Yeah. And as, of, as I peeled the layers away of, I guess, effectively being, why am I not happy despite what I achieve? I discovered there's so many intricate workings around money. It's basically come to the surface almost unintentionally. I was incredibly tense about money. I'm just like beyond like brain explosion stress about money. I used to worry about it all the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And making the right decisions, doubting if I'm doing enough and the pressure I had on myself to build a career and all that sort of stuff. So mm-hmm. it really is something that has changed, but it hasn't changed because I focused on money and my beliefs around money. That was a, a little part of it. What actually changed for me around money was simply reflecting on myself and peeling away all that self-doubt, mm-hmm. hesitation, and limited thinking. Gosh. Yeah, we can relate on some personal just, levels. Yeah. Oh, totally. Mm-hmm. We used to we used to own a business before we we made this huge lifestyle change, downsized all this stuff. But when we owned our business, I remember a number of years we were so low price and and. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. we just, I remember we were, we were scared to go up. Oh my God, what if we lose these customers? And, you know, it's a different mindset than we were at the end. We were like, look, we provide an elite service. No one else yeah. is doing this. And then we went up. So I, I, it's like, okay, why, why could I do it there? But like internally about myself, or I don't know if I can speak for you, but, but I don't know. It's just different. I don't know. I'm just sitting here thinking. Well, I think it's a bit of a cultural thing here too in the States because you were very more, sort of achievement oriented mm. and such that that's more driven into you than than valuing yourself probably in, in a lot of cases yeah and yeah. so you're looking more at external things to, to yeah. get value for yourself yeah, yeah i mean we're considered um and it, it might be the same way um in australia too but i mean we, we talk to a lot of guests who uh, relate to us when we say this that we when we sold our house and we sold most of our, our stuff and the business and everything so that we could, you know, live here on the coast and we want a different life for ourselves. They thought we were crazy really, but a lot of people did not understand because to everyone else, well, the, the bigger house you have, the more you're worth, the, the more stuff you have, the more you're worth yeah. and it is about putting the value in a different 
area than than the stuff, than the house, than the mm. showy things. Yeah. I think we're still considered abnormal, you know, for, <laughs> for <laughs> in many ways. But well, you but, can't be normal, like, but right. well, what is normal really? So it's right. A, well, we kind of always try to rewrite the rules a little bit, I guess. Or, <laughs> yeah. or we have in recent years anyway. We didn't but, I agree. I'm the same. I look, I look at the status quo and go, yeah, not for me. I look right. to the people that want to change things up and it's conversations like this. Exactly. Right, yeah. right. Mm -hmm. And I also feel like not enough people put this out in the open. They don't think they're scared of it and they're like, okay, what can what can fix it? But they try to do it on their own and they don't talk about it. I, I will tell you right now, I mean, you're a, a financial director. I will tell you that the financial person that we did work with back those days, I was never honest with her. I mm. never told her my fear. I, I felt like I was holding it all in going, yeah, everything's great. Everything's fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was not. Got it sorted. Yeah. <laughs> it was not. I just feel like it's almost a, a taboo thing sometimes. Money. Yeah, and that, that comes about too with what I mentioned before around just that general vibe around money. So if there is, sometimes it can be a fear. So like that example I gave about being in the store and you've asked for something and you get met with anger and frustration. It's like, well, yeah. okay, money equals anger and frustration equals pain. So if money equals pain, then you're potentially going to run away from it. And sometimes you run away from it by spending it. Yeah. So mm -hmm. we always reaffirm that. So our... <laughs> Our, this gets a few different angles here, but ultimately our ego was formed. So I mentioned before about through zero to age seven, our ego becomes formed from seven to adulthood through our teenage years. Our ego is who we think we are. And that is all the beliefs and all the experiences we had, whether they're traumatic or whether they're happy. That's actually what effectively creates us. It's the mind created self. And that mm -hmm. literally is a computer program. It's just what we downloaded from everything we learned over the years. That's yeah. not who we really are. And even now with my, we've got a two-year-old granddaughter, I'm so much more conscious of how I communicate with her versus our own children. I apologise to our oldest. By our third, I think we got it right. <laughs> First two is a little bit of trial and error. <laughs> and our granddaughter, I think we got it more right. So <laughs> but the communication style, even just, um, no, you can't have that. Just that simple moment can what lock in some element, I know this sounds exaggerated, but can lock in some element of trauma around what you feel you deserve. So as wow. a child, you're so innocent, you're not thinking it, you don't have shame and guilt, you don't have any of those things. That's actually learned. Mm -hmm. It's learned yeah. in those moments where, mummy, mummy, I want the chocolate. No, get out of there. Mm -hmm. It sounds exaggerated, but it is a just a, a prime example of what happens in those little moments throughout our lives that we any so often, one of them will get locked in. It only takes one to get locked in. And for right. one, some reason or another, as a child, you lock that in and you go, right, I don't deserve. And then if your mum or parents are like that, again, we're not blaming because I'm sure our children have the same things about me at some stage, whether they realise it or not. But it's just <laughs> about recognising the communication style. And it's something that, you know, when you're shutting someone down, I had a lady email me, ages ago after I ran a workshop with a, as a company in the US and she emailed me and said, basically, how do I communicate to my children about money? When my child wants for something and we don't have the money, what do I say? Right. And I say to them, generally what they're doing is it's just a child's imagination. They don't necessarily want that thing. But what they've come to see is like they've seen an ad on TV. So they, the ad on TV starts 
putting information in their brain. If you have this, you'll feel good. When we downsized and moved to our coastal bungalow, we knew what we wanted as far as a beachy coastal vibe aesthetic. If you're someone who follows our blog, you've seen me mention the book Surf Shack, Laid Back Living by the Water. I love it. I love the lifestyle, the whole surfer beach bungalow look. Even though we aren't surfers, we still want that sort of feel in our home. Laid back, casual, but also really cute. In comes Havenly. Havenly allows you to use the services of a professional designer virtually. After taking the Havenly design quiz, I was perfectly matched with my designer, Alyssa. Alyssa had experience with pet-friendly homes, small homes, coastal vibe aesthetic. She was able to extract my ideas that were living inside my brain and put them into her design magic skills to cultivate exactly what we envisioned. Check out the before and after on our website, arneradventures.com slash Havenly. That's H-A-V-E-N-L-Y. Alyssa just got it. She put together idea boards. I got to choose. We conversed back and forth. We even had a virtual call. It was just so easy. She was a real person, not some, you know, robot thing, the algorithm that they just matched us together. Alyssa's a person and she really did get it. Our space is wonderful. It's such an easy process. They have various packages that you can do for your living room or you can do your kitchen or bathroom or even a podcast room. They will match you with someone who can help you design that. If you would like to try Havenly, and I suggest that you do, go to their website, havenly.com, or you can use all the links down in the show notes, but use code ARNER25, that's A-R-N-E-R 25, and receive 25% off of your design package. What a deal. You're just going to love it. Now let's get back to the show. Mm. But as a mum or as a parent, as a father, when you talk to them, you join, I said, you can join them on that imaginary train. Join in with them. Say, yeah, I'd love that. And if we got this bike, we could do this, this, and this. And try and direct them towards where they, you know you want them to be. But don't shut them down and go, no, we can't afford it. Right. Guide them towards how they might be able to create it or create something similar. Yeah. Uh-huh. You see the difference? Yeah. 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 I think and that would work as an adult, you know. It does work as I an adult. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're very you know? we can be very cut and dry with our language, particularly around money. There's a lot of shame and guilt around that, like you just touched mm-hmm. on. You don't want to admit to what apparently your financial situation was to the very person mm-hmm. you're supposed to admit it to. Right. Can then guide you out of it. Right. It's like telling right. the doctor you've got an illness, but you don't really want to tell him what the illness is. So he That's- can't really, really help <laughs> you. <laughs> or not going to the doctor, or yeah, or just. But see how normalized that is about a doctor. You sick? You go to a doctor. It's so normalized. It's almost so far as that people can be hypochondriacs. It's so normalized. Yeah. But money, yeah, it's just you're always supposed to be across it. You're supposed to be all sorted. You don't talk about it. It's hush hush. It's rude. Don't yeah. discuss people's finances. You don't ask what they're paid. Yeah. yeah. So you yeah. wonder why people have trouble around money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, we've solved it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you got to dig deep literally. into the old psyche and jumble around, peel away the layers. You'll discover what the truth is behind why you feel the way you do around money. Yeah. Right. And we were mm. we were both raised with 
from with people that probably didn't come from much and right it was all about drive drive to get more and they probably never would have thought about psychology behind things like that so this is no. you wouldn't have thought about that several decades ago or a generation or so ago but now yeah. at least we have the wherewithal to yeah sort of and you're right I mean, my mom and my stepdad, they, they retired and, and they've just, you know, bought a, a modest home, but what they wanted in a certain area of our state, and they are very happy, they're um, secure. And she told me, she said, um, it hasn't changed. I still go to bed worried about money. I wake up worried about money. So for mm. her, even though I feel like, wow, they're doing well and I don't have to worry about them, she still has it. And I know mm. that my grandmother had it and it for my family it just went back 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 and back and back mm -hmm. um yeah so gosh now i'm seeing it's just you know even though they're financially secure and and fine in retirement and all of that she still has that yeah. um it's interesting mm -hmm. and it can be it can literally be generational beyond a certain belief that's passed on if you think about how you may parent your children, you would use things or approaches or styles of parenting that uh, that mirror your parents and the way you were parented. Mm -hmm. And then that comes from their parents. So we're effectively using a program to operate in life that could be 100 years old. Right. Yeah. You know what right. I mean? Because right. it's literally, it's human nature. We just absorb from our environment. So we're, that's why that saying is you, you are who you, the five people you surround yourself with. Mm -hmm. yeah. So if you're yeah. surrounding yourself with people who talk, let's say, from a negative type of vibe and they're questioning, doubting, limiting, can't have this, can't have that, oh, struggle, challenge, and there's virtue in being poor, then that's exactly what you're going to think is true. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And again, our mind, until we disconnect from that ego-created self, that mind-created self, and discover what is really within, that's why when you see a child who's one or two years old, they don't care. They're jumping from one thing to the other. They don't, they don't seem to feel hot or cold. They don't feel shame or guilt. They're smiling right. no matter what. They can snap right. out of a cry within half a second. We can right. run with it. We can run as adults with a temper tantrum for days. Mm -hmm. You see what mm -hmm. I mean? So it's, yeah. yeah, there's a much nicer, kinder, loving truth within that's also abundant and prosperous. Just got to get away from that train of thought you've been taught. You know, if you're telling someone just change this one thing or just do this one yeah. thing. Like what, what do you start with, with even your clients that you, that are in this same position? I mean, what, what can we do to start trying to change that mindset? I know we talked about the value and thinking about value. Yeah, yeah. Um, what other, what other things can we do? Can we actively do to change it? Well, you think of it this way, you've spent you know, whatever your age might be, let's just say 40, you spent 40 years of your life getting into the mode of thinking that you have 40 years. Yeah. Every minute, every hour of every day for 40 years, you've been practicing this train of thought. So it's not going to unravel overnight and it's not going to unravel from listening to a podcast, but what needs to happen is you have, you create the awareness. So you touched on things and remove the guilt you might feel around, oh, mum, I remember mum saying this and I remember mum doing that. You're not blaming you might no. be initially, but you'll get to, you'll get to a point <laughs> where you realize that all this is a learning, and you yeah. can recognize, okay, I forgive you, Mum. You weren't doing this intentionally because you're only operating from a place that you knew best yourself. You didn't right. know any better, so right. 
you first recognize what's sort of happening, which you just did a bit earlier, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. With that, how you then start converting it, and this is that neuro-linguistic programming, the neuro pathways in your brain, you've got a certain train of thought literally stamped in your brain, you need to create new ones. And the new ones are created by regular practices. Now, some of those regular practices, one includes gratitude. Mm -hmm. Each and every day, if you can, as soon as you open your eyes or close enough, the first sort of thing you do is you, you be thankful and truly like heartfelt, feel it, uh, what you're thankful for in that day. You're thankful for a good night's sleep. You're thankful that you have breath. You're thankful that your legs work, whatever it may be. But mm-hmm. try and yeah. focus on things that feel good. If you put a rule around it, three of each. Three, the three things you're thankful for outside of yourself, trees, air, roof over your head, whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. And three things within yourself. And that's often the hardest for some people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that is a little bit of self-love. And it's about yeah. that gratitude is in that process, you're recognizing what you already have. Yeah. Because we're conditioned to always look outside of ourselves of what we don't have, and we've got to keep going and you know, accomplishing, achieving, etc. So you turn yeah. the focus back in, you celebrate, you have gratitude and appreciation for what you already have. And what happens with this exercise, give it 30 days, every day for 30 days, your momentum will build. And mm. it won't be three mm-hmm. things of each. It'll end up being 10 and 20 and 30. And you'll end up writing pages about what you're grateful for. Mm. And, and from that, you will realize what abundance is already within you and around you. Sure. You can go so yeah. you can go so much down into I'm grateful for the leaves on the trees, the flowers in the garden. Yeah. Anything, the smell of the bakery you just walked past, whatever it mm-hmm. is, you'll realize how abundant the world is and how abundant you are. And you won't be focused on the lack of money in your bank account and judging it for scarcity mm-hmm. and shortage. I've seen how that can work. I've I've sort of realized that as a practice for a few years. And uh, you know, it's funny too when you live in, in a culture as abundant as ours and you have to do that, but it but you're, but you're, yeah, you're always thinking you need more. And yeah. So you backpedal a little bit and go, oh, it's, there's already a lot here. <laughs> a lot oh, of 100%. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. celebrate, write down what you have actually accomplished, what challenges mm-hmm. you've actually right. gotten through. Mm-hmm. So you got to yeah. recognize that gratuity thing, that appreciation thing is recognizing where you've got to. You got to live by the water, by the ocean. Mm-hmm. That's what you wanted to do. And that, yeah. that's a, a bold move. And you, in the face of people questioning it and going, what are you doing? And you still did it. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. A lot of, I see people all the time that like, this is very common. Uh, let's say they're about 60 years old and they're about to retire. And it's, it's quite a fearful time because it means no more money coming in. So this is that sense of security we attach with money over our lifetime. Yeah. Without that pay, whether it be revenue from a business or from a job coming in every week or fortnight, whatever it might be, Mm-hmm. the security starts to get questioned and then those people start to get fearful and anxious. Have we done enough? Mm. One of the things I tell them is to look at what they have accomplished through the years. They could have an investment property, they could have some shares, but they still think it's not enough. It's that just yeah. it's on autopilot. It's unbelievable how the brain just is on autopilot that we're not enough. Right. Mm-hmm. Just, right. Uh, you just we bash ourselves 24/7. 
We wanted to take a pause for a second to tell you once again about how much we love Sugar Wish. If you're a regular listener, Sugar Wish isn't new to you. You already know how much we adore the fact that we count on Sugar Wish to send gifts to people. Why? Because it's easy. Yes. It's a time saver. Yes. You know the recipient is going to love it because they choose what they want. That's right. And it's not a gift that's going to take up space because it's edible. Yes. What's not to love? You forgot something. What's that? You save money because we have a code to share with our listeners. Oh my gosh, that's right. Use code Betty White. That's all caps, one word, Betty White, to save $7 off your gift to someone. We also have the link in the show notes. Yep. Whether you're gifting someone candy, snacks, tea, coffee, wine, or some dog treats to one lucky pup, that code works to save. Sugar Wish always saves the day. So yeah. you flip that around and go, okay, what have you actually accomplished? I know people that have come to me and said, we think we've got another seven years worth of retirement uh, work. So they're, they're going to age 70. And I go through all the numbers, we do all the financial assessments, we sit down and two weeks later, we catch up and go, guess what, you're fine, you can retire in a few months. And they just don't believe me. They do not believe me. And it actually takes months and months to continually reassure them and change that those pathways to, to believe you do have enough. Right. Because they've never reflected. They've just come with a come from a place of, I've got to keep doing this. If I don't, it's not enough. It's not enough. It's not enough. I've got to keep going. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And comparison is the thief of joy. If you keep looking at what others are doing. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Don't compare. Yeah. Don't mm-hmm. compare. You'll look within and appreciate and love and have gratitude for everything you've already got, everything you already have, and everything you, that you already are. Yep. That's where the abundance is. The money will just come after that. What if someone walks into your office and they say, um, okay, I want you to help me, you know, and I've got tons of, of money issues and they're not going to be okay. Like what, what kind of advice do you tell them? That, how do you give them advice and not scare the shit out of them? <laughs> yeah. I mean, what do you do? The same. Appreciate what we already have. You got to recognize what you already have. This, this mentality of lack comes from within. It's got nothing to do with the bank mm-hmm. balance. Mm-hmm. And if you believe you're worth nothing, and we come to believe that through what we experience in our lifetime, effectively like if and this is going into the realm beyond my expertise this is almost like uh, psychotherapy and psychiatrists yeah. and that sort of work and some people need that absolutely yeah. and some of it is like it depends on how traumatic you have had how much trauma you've had in your life which then can shine a light on how much or what you came to learn you were worth if you've been treated like a piece of dirt then that's all you feel you're worth then it's very likely that your money situation is going to mirror exactly that mm. So go right. back to the example around what you feel you're worth, what you charge out per hour. It's it's yeah. we're creating what we're getting. The financial circumstances that I'm in, that you're in, the next person's in, are all a mirror for what we feel our own worth and value is. We're just not paying attention to it. We're blaming the world. And we're going, why do those people have more than me? I'm working 60 hours a week as well. Why do they have more? Well, they believe they're worth more. That's right. it. They expect yeah. it. Right. Yeah. So it's that's what we're not waking up to. We're not waking up to our our own creations. What you focus on grows. You can water the weeds or you can water the flowers. 
That is true. Do you think the money scarcity mentality is possibly more common in cultures like ours? Because I think Australia is slightly regarded like us. You're like a rogue culture, sort of. <laughs> yeah. We're, you know, we're, right, we're got, definitely got some alignment. Yeah. We're all a bunch of cast offs. You know, we've only been around a few hundred <laughs> you can years. sent over in the boats. It's criminal. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you think, you know, since we are <clears throat> just a few generations in, really, that. And came here with nothing and i think it's yeah. a little similar in australia like it's just that was that mindset set like back a few generations and, it, and it's maybe more intense than in other cultures yeah, yeah. i believe that we uh, we're a fairly young country right comparison mm -hmm. to others right especially europe and mm -hmm. africa like, and even the us not yeah. too far behind but we're, we're a pretty young country and what i've seen i firmly believe what i just touched on before around that intergenerational learning so we're mm -hmm. learning from the, the generation that grew up in the early 1900s and things like that. So that philosophy gets trickled down and we haven't had many generations to develop our emotional intelligence and change what yeah. it is we believe and how we parent and how we interact as human beings. Yeah. So we're like, fairly young in that sense. And I yeah. firmly believe what you're saying, Jerry, is that that cultural thing of basically being down and trodden and, you know, I don't know how much of the population stemmed from convicts. But I know within Australia compared to the US as an example that if I reach out to someone in America to go on our podcast, they're in. And they mm. will just divulge every single piece of intellectual property they have. Mm. Because mm. what I see in my travels from over there is that the US, um, and there's pros and cons to every country, that's just human, that's just a human race. But what yeah. I see and what I've experienced is the such a more of a collective mindset in the US. Like if you go to someone and say, hey, I have an idea. Mm -hmm. Cool. Yeah, let's go. Let's let's see if we can help you. In Australia, yeah. if I have an idea and I reach out to someone that might clash, compete with their idea, they shut down. Uh, so we have a very uh, unsharing society here, mm. what I've experienced. Uh, and that's not to say everybody, but that's that lack and shortage mentality. Well, uh -huh. hang on to what we have. I don't uh, want to share it. Yeah. 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 Big time. scarcity, like okay. scarcity of okay. resources. And yeah. 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 Wow. And I think that's cultural. Like if you yeah. think about how our country was founded, notwithstanding the indigenous culture that was here before us, mm -hmm. we were, it's all about sort of standing on your own two feet. You had to fend for yourself. There's not a right. great sense of community. Some of the regional areas do, but I know I can give you numerous examples. I've reached out to people and said, hey, would you like to be on my podcast? We share similar trains of thought. Well, they've actually advertised for people to get in contact with them on social media, and I've contacted them, and I just they check out my profile and they don't reply. Wow! Hmm. Yeah, wow. it's just a and the US. I just I have no problems whatever getting people on the podcast. It's like cool. Yeah, let's wow. share the information. Let's you know collectively wow. grow as human hmm. beings. Yeah, you know, not the competing one against the other type thing. Uh huh. Yeah. Okay. So definitely cultural. Absolutely, Jerry. That's really interesting. It is interesting. That leaves me a little more optimistic about, about our culture. <laughs> <laughs> we need that. I'll just yeah. so I become under attack from Australians. Um, <laughs> it's not everybody, but I'm just saying in my travels, what I've experienced is that it's more generous in the US than it is in Australia with sharing intellectual capital probably otherwise. We have uh -huh. um, also what's called tall poppy syndrome. So a, like, think of it as jealousy and envy. Yeah, in Australia, uh -huh. people, if you're achieving well and you'll end up sort of getting paid out on, or you just get a little bit, you won't get celebrated. What mm. I've seen in the US is people get celebrated and supported. I could have that wrong right. as well. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's so Very interesting because the questions that I had for you were totally <laughs> specifics about money. Like, okay, you know, um, this is this is very helpful. Money so is a I symptom ca- of the problem or otherwise. A lot of people, mm. I think, that go into finance are very, let's dig into the numbers. And they don't, they yeah. don't think the way that you're talking in no. our experience. Yeah. Um, so were you like that in the beginning or did you immediately say, you know what, I need to go into finance. I need to help people because this is how my mindset works and I need to change it too. Like what, how did that work? Well, initially I was just incredibly excited. This goes back to coming out of high school into university and I had some ideas around maybe being an engineer or initially actually grade nine or 10, I think it was, I love food. So I considered being a chef, but then I realized I don't want to cook it. I just want to eat it. So I got out of that. <laughs> I don't want to be working with other people having fun. <laughs> so I went to engineering in the end. I sort of got a little bit indecisive. My dad said, look, go to uni, get into business because you can sort of branch out any which way. So I got into business and I started, uh, I don't remember the exact moment, but it was the initial love was around stock markets and the inner workings of stock markets, you know, making money, creating, and how does it all work, mm-hmm. basically. Yeah. And then it became a career born from that, you know, guiding people to understand the same, see the possibilities of investing and managing money better and those sorts of things. And over time, and this is sort of a, uh, it, it coexisted. So it was gradual as I was gaining more insights from talking to people and I was paying attention and I was listening. I was also questioning my way a little bit about what I'm doing. But the driver there was how can I get my clients, how can I give them more value? There's more here. There's more here than just investing money in shares and hopefully in 10, 20 years you've got what you need type philosophy. So mm-hmm. it was just an organic thing through life that I just deep dug more and more with clients about what the stresses were they had around money. I was curious, you know, I was seeing why, you know, why do some people have more money than others? What mm-hmm. differentiated these people? So it became a bit of a search to understand people more deeply and help them align their decisions with their money with what really mattered in life. So rather than just chase money because that's what you do for apparently a successful life, your success could be living in the forest, in a cabin with no money, grow your own food, and you just meditate all day. That could be you living a successful life. That's your version. That's all that matters. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. But as we've touched on, there's so much out there around success and polish and looking good and all these sorts of things. That's not it at all. That's just a crock of shit. That's just marketing. It just organically grew and the curiosity mm-hmm. got deeper and deeper. And then I started looking myself even more deeper. And then that translated into the work I was doing with people. So I was helping them focus on more meaning in their life. So one of the things I do with new clients, when they come to me and say, hey, you know, we've got this money or we're not sure what to do. What do we do from here? We've got the 40 years of age. We've got an investment property. We've got a few things going on, but now we're confused. What are we going to yeah. do? What we do is first things first, we sit down two to three hours it takes and we discover exactly what their values are mm-hmm. what do they value most in life what gives them meaning and then i find most commonly yeah, that what they're doing and what position they've got themselves into they were happier 20 years ago when they didn't have the money and the properties and the cars mm-hmm. uh, yeah. so you've actually lost sight of what means something to you and you focused on the money and the supposed success you get out of the material gain but you're unhappier that doesn't make any yeah. sense to me. Right. Yeah. So then that becomes a discovery of, okay, this is what really means something. And with that, what people get, it's almost like a almost like a sense of permission. They almost go, 
so I don't have to keep grinding it away to make more money. I can actually go down this other path, yeah, you know, which is what I love doing. And you go, yeah, you can. Let's juggle the money around. Let's maybe sell things or reinvest into something else that can support that different path you want to take or always wanted to take. Just develop, but more and more, it's got at a deeper level. The things we've touched on today, yeah, uh, mm-hmm. about how you can start changing your own thought patterns and beliefs, and yeah. ultimately, people can go down that road, or they just sort of sit a little bit more up on the surface level. And go, you know what? Yeah, I hate my job. We've got the money there to change direction. Let's do it because they've right. got financial advice to give them that permission effectively. See, right. and, I, and I'm thinking, so I can move to Montana and live in a cabin with no electricity? <laughs> or are you on board? No. <laughs> no, we're not, guy. <laughs> oh, you got a different battle on your hands there, Jerry. <laughs> it's more than just I, like, I like living minimally, but I want electricity. <laughs> and yeah. No. I just, I wanted to make a joke about Montana. <laughs> Okay. Fair enough. You slipped that one in. You did well. Perfect segue. I think it's kind of a stereotype that that's where all those types go. Yeah, that's our state. But that's okay. Yeah. If that's what they want, that's what they value, then that's okay. Yeah. Sorry, Montana. The yeah, apologies. I've had to apologize to Australia, so we're on a bit of a roll, aren't we? <laughs> We've just lost our two viewers in Montana. Exactly. And anyway, there's a quote around that too, which is, I don't know who came up with it. It was basically... Uh, do what you love doing. Mm-hmm. If you're good at it and people need it, that's the three ingredients. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. But we've got that all mixed up. It's like, you know, you come out of high school, you're taught basically get a good job, stand on your own two feet, get a home, have a family. Like, oh, there's more to my life than that, you know? And and having a life is raising a family, good family, and having holidays, you know, and, you know experiences, you have people around for a barbecue, and there's more to us than that. But we're not mm-hmm. taught to really seek that out. One of the questions I had was, oh, you know, what's the biggest mistake you see people making with their money? But do you think that one of the biggest mistakes is that the way that they see it? Yeah, there's way too much pressure on money. The beliefs around money are just terrible, plain and simple. You do have to respect it like you do a good friend. That's yeah. just the simple fact of it, right? It, there's no getting away from that money provides for you know health care and quality of life and all that sort of thing. But... Like a good friend, you respect it. You don't obsess over it. You don't think about mm. your friend day and night. <laughs> but you put some, might think about Jerry day and night. I don't know. But, <laughs> but you, you've got to put some basic structures in place, right? You know, like right. things like spend less than you earn, invest the difference and keep at it. Little things yeah. like that. Yeah. yeah. The second the biggest mistake is looking at it as the source of happiness. Mm. People think, people want more money for how they believe they will feel and having more of it. Mm. that feeling is available to us all the time, 24-7. We've got to stop looking out to outside things to feel good or happy, whether it be achievements, whether it be money, whether it be a new car, whatever it is. It's literally a tool. It's like a shovel. Mm-hmm. Like you don't right. get emotionally attached to your shovel. Your shovel That's can help true. you dig a hole rather than That's trying to do it with your hand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Like yeah. you're stroking your shovel, you're worrying about your shovel, it sleeps with you at night. I think and... about my shovel when I go to bed at night. I think about my shovel when I wake up. I check on my shovel constantly. I bought a nice leather uh, pouch for my shovel. Yep, exactly. To carry around in my pocket. I, yeah. Yep. yeah. I'm not sure whether I should spend money on my shovel. Should I get a new shovel? I don't know. I don't know what I should do with it. Yeah. Oh, the neighbors bought a bigger shovel. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Maybe I should get one like that. 
<laughs> yeah, you oh, see the guy down the no. road digging with his hands. You go, oh, right. man, he's got a tough. <laughs> it all Good sounds stuff. so so basic and mm-hmm. like, oh, okay, yeah, you know. We overcomplicate it. And the third yeah. mistake yeah. is we believe what we're told about money growing up. We believe it's true. Tell us about your podcast and is it is it more about the mindset or is it specific yeah. about finance or? No, more about mindset. So the it was literally, I remember we were driving in the car one day down to Brisbane, which is roughly an hour away, me, myself and my wife, and we, was, we started the podcast and we're just mulling things over about, you know, a title. And the theme that was kind of through everything we were doing in life and with clients and business, and it was like, well, there's more to this story than just it being about money. So we're obviously in the financial advice business. But as I was just telling you, there's more to it than that. People don't come to me to make more money. They come right. to me for the freedom and the sense of security I think they will have if they have more money. Mm-hmm. Right. But that feeling, as I said, is available to us at all times, 24-7, despite what's in the bank account. Mm-hmm. So the title came about of it's more than money because life is more than money. You don't ignore it. Like I said, you respect it. But mm-hmm. you've got to get in touch with what really matters to you, who you really are, getting rid of that little voice in your head that keeps beating you down and start realizing the joy and abundance and prosperity that exists within you, irrespective of what's in the bank account. The two can coexist. And like I said, money is like a, it's like a shovel. It's just a tool. It can yeah. support a good quality of life. It enhances your experiences. But ultimately, true joy, true happiness and love of oneself comes from within, not from your bank balance. So the podcast is about mindset, basically. We've had some really, really good guests on there. Yeah. Very openly, willingly sharing their way about thinking better and, and improving your own life. And none of it has really anything to do with money. Oh, mm. we're going to start, <laughs> we're gonna have to listen to some back episodes and catch up. <laughs> really good people on there. Yeah. yeah. Very fortunate. Mm. I am curious if someone gave you personally a million dollars today, what would you do? Well, currently we have plans for what we want to do around a possible relocation. And the reason for a relocation, like moving house basically, is to connect with family mm-hmm. and kicking off more of this type of work, so more podcast work and talking to people like yourselves and forging you know, stronger relationships with people we've connected with through podcasts and, and work generally. So that means you know, overseas travel. I was chatting to a gentleman the other day who connected through the podcast, but we've made stayed in contact. We had a Zoom the other day and spoke for a couple of hours. So we want to go to the US, for example, and meet the people we've stayed connected with and met on podcasts. So for me and us, myself and my wife, it's about using that money to enhance the connection we make with people who we want to spend more time with and enrich our lives and enrich their lives. So it's the ideal use of money. It enhances our life, but it's not the driver of a supposed good or bad quality of life, if that makes sense. That's what I do with a million bucks. Oh, that's great. I mean, right? It wasn't, okay, well, I would take half of it and I would invest it in this. And I would take out, like, that's a great answer. It really went back to what you were saying of, okay, what are your values? Mm -hmm. What do you want? Oh. And you know that heartfelt thing, you know those moments where you might have had a weekend with people and then you're back home by just you both and you start thinking back, oh, that was such a good weekend. It just felt so good or so much fun. That's it. How does that compare to Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday? Oh, shit, I've got more bills to pay. Oh, I don't think I've got enough money this week. Yeah. that's. But again, that's the belief in around money, but the focus needs to be back on that those great feeling moments. Let's get to your fast five. Number one, cash or credit? 
Cash. Save or spend? Spend. Wow. Mm. This is. And I'll explain that one a little more. I was a very, and I touched on earlier, very, very tense saver. Mm-hmm. And I can reflect and everything's just a learning. So I don't necessarily look back on things with regret. I look at it and go, yeah, okay, well, I'm going to do it differently now. Um, missed out on a lot because I was freaking worried about money. We'd go out and I'd be worried about buying another drink. Yeah. Or I'd be worried about how much I'm spending on the menu. I remember one of my goals years ago being I want to be in a position where I can afford to buy dinner out every night. So mm. it's a spend thing now. And I want to be clear there too, From a, it comes from a much, much different place energetically. Spending means fun. It means experiences. It means life is lived. Right. doesn't mean we don't save. Yeah, right. yeah. doesn't mean we put it on credit. Right. Yeah. right. <laughs> right. Money in, enhancing the life. If I want to go overseas and connect with people where you are, I've got to spend, don't I? Right. And connecting with people that I've met means way more than having that money left in the bank. Yeah. And it stimulates the economy. And, it, and oh, it's, it's a community service, Jerry. You're yeah. right. In excess or ACDC? ACDC. And I've been to their concerts and I'm sure you have too by the looks of it. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I have seen neither one of theirs. I've seen I, In Excess. I, I, I had tickets was probably 30 years ago for In Excess and it got canceled. It was oh. their first US show and it got canceled for some reason and we, I never did go back. Yeah. Oh, no. ACDC, I guess, Australian roots, they've come back or well, they've been here quite a few times. Uh-huh. Yeah. The old yeah. boys, they still rock it pretty well. How does Midnight Oil stack up against those two? Oh, for me personally, they're, I guess, down the ladder a little bit. He was actually in politics for a while. Peter oh. Garrett. Yeah. Okay. Quite an activist in and around uh, environment and equality yeah. and touring oh. not too many months ago again. Oh, that's good to hear. Mm. Yeah. Okay. The Tasmanian wilderness or the Great Barrier Reef? Well, it was not long in Tasmania. I'm going to say Great Barrier Reef. That's no okay. disrespect to Tasmania. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm definitely more water orientated. Love the beach yeah. and love the water. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. okay. Well, um, go for a run or relax in a hammock. Uh, I'll go for a run then relax. Yeah. <laughs> Why do you have to choose? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I like um I like sort of that expelling of energy, some physical. Yeah. I like all the physical side and, and I do like relaxing as well. It makes a good tired. It's easier to relax after a run or a bike ride or whatever. So they, they do go together. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And out of doing things like this with you, this has becomes a good tired for me. There are other oh. things that yeah, I know so yeah. Well, the question we ask everyone, we think is the most important. Kai, what does a life well lived mean to you? Doing what I'm doing now, contributing to the greater good, sharing what I've known uh, from the work that I've put in and connecting with people, having those heartfelt experiences. That's a life well lived to me. And, and if I know that I've shared authentically what I know is to be so true about how we really need to think about ourselves in our life. And people pick up on that. Yeah, that's a life well lived to me. Oh, uh, wonderful. That one's yeah. good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just telling you in the almost hour we've been talking, I feel lighter. Like oh, I that's feel so good. Like lighter. I mean, I need to work mm. on a lot of things, but at least I know. <laughs> don't we all, Shannon? Don't I, <laughs> <laughs> at least I have 
you know, some action items that I can work on. I do wake up and I have to think about, okay, what's, you know, what I grateful for and stuff, but that's yeah. just something I've developed over time. I mean, through our whole money journey being married, I feel like I have resentment because he doesn't put it the way I put it. I'm like, why is money yeah. not important to you? Why are you not worried about it? Why are you know? <laughs> And really, I don't know if it's also you kind of ignore it too, you know, or it's there and we don't, I have to pull him in to talk about it. Okay, we've uh, got to look at the money. We've got to look at the money. But now I'm like, well, you know. This is so common. This is so, so common. Yeah. There's so the, and what I see is that you're not at opposites. You're not at a tug of war. You actually complement each other. So mm. Jerry perhaps could probably get a little bit more respectful to the money side. Shannon, you could probably let go a bit more. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you're actually, totally. there's gifts in each of you that you're not actually paying attention to, to take on for yourself. So mm. some of your frustrations, Shannon, are more about your sort of thinking, I can't do this. I need some help. Why can't you help me, Jerry? But this is, oh, this sounds harsh, but this is a you problem. Yeah. And it's always a you problem. It's a Jerry problem. It's a Kai problem. It's yeah. very, very rarely someone else who's doing it to us. That's that victim mentality. Yeah. Right. So that yeah. is almost so too, a little bit of a desire for you, Shannon, to let go, but you just don't know how to. You're scared yeah. to let go. If you let go, what does it mean? Well, if I let go of the money, it means pain. That's mm -hmm. usually the aversion. It's a version of pain. Tony Robbins says the avoidance of pain is a greater motivator than the pursuit of pleasure. Mm. It's more pleasurable to let go and surrender than it is to stay in that pain of I've got to keep hold of my money. I've got to do something. Or two, I'll tell you one, two things. One, I, as I said before, incredibly tense and incredibly controlling around money. The more I've let go, it's almost like the more it's flowed. Weird. It's out there, but it's true. I can mm -hmm. tell you I from first hand. Yeah. I believe that. The, the second thing is just start with a couple of questions. Money for me growing up was. Money for my dad felt. Yeah. Mm -hmm. My mum felt money was. Rich people are. So you finish the sentences and that'll start creating a picture of exactly what's going on for you. And it's right. just simply not true. Look at each other. You're a compliment to each other. So, okay, Jerry, you can be a bit more relaxed. Cool. I'm going to take a bit of that on. Jerry, you go, okay, you're, you're a little bit more strict around money. I'll start looking at things a little bit. Let's try and yeah. in the middle. Yeah. And I am yeah. going to start looking at the money like a shovel. I am. <laughs> I yeah, make sure you're not that. looking. It's a shovel going to dig your own grave. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Or don't be your out in the shed. That would be good. <laughs> no. Stacks of money in the shed. <laughs> love yourself no. along the way. Almost even to make sure that practice is very deep and ingrained in each and every day. Yeah. yeah Before course. we part, please tell our audience where they can find you, where they can find your podcast, and everything that you are putting out goodness into the world. Okay, the, the main channels are uh, my LinkedIn profile, which is kind of just Kai Harris, K-Y-E-H-A-R-R-I-S. Podcast is called It's More Than Money. It's on a, it's available on all major stations. So Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio. It's on mm -hmm. all those stations. Okay. So they're the two main channels. And we also have a Facebook page, which is under the business name Parent Financial Group. Yep. Mm -hmm. And we're going to link all of that down in the show notes. And Thank you. 
Ty, thank you so much. This yeah. has been absolutely eye-opening and phenomenal. Uh, yeah, very better useful. than expected. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I like to hear because it's. It I was is. nervous. Yeah. I mean, I was I was nervous just talking. I just get nervous talking about it, but it's hard. It is hard, and it's a, when you work at it, it's definitely worth it, and you'll mm -hmm. feel so much better for it. Money will become a less significant role in your life and how you feel. I've had the awakening myself. Know exactly how it feels to transition from a stress head around money to just feeling free and easy and and good overall. Hmm. I look forward to that, Kai. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me on. I loved it. It was a great chat. You're fun to talk to. Likewise. Awesome. Yeah. I just. Oh my gosh. Ever since this conversation, like you were saying before we got to it about how you've been implementing things. He says, you know, we both have, we yeah. had, he talked about how you and I differ in the way that we look about, you know, look at money and the whole topic. And yeah. I said in the episode, and it's true. I used to wake up and the first thing I would do is grab my phone and look at our money. Like look at the bank account, yeah. you know, uh -huh. Oh God, or do I set myself up for a terrible day or a good day? <laughs> yeah. And that's what Kai was saying. And since we had the conversation with him, we sort of meet in the middle yeah. with both like right. the way that we both handle it. And I don't look yeah. at it first thing anymore. And it's been really great. No, since Kai, it's a good 45 seconds will go by before <laughs> you look at the money. <laughs> I'm just kidding. And we yeah. have a weekly meeting mm -hmm. about our money and our we budget. Do. We do. Not, I'm not going to lie. It's still something I think about a lot. I don't know mm -hmm. if that's going to just go away, but no, you know, but it's uh, it gives you a different way to keep it in check, so to yeah. speak. You're going to think about it. So let's find different ways to sort of keep that in check. And and so it's not as maybe obsessing or whatever. Yeah. I'm just so, so thankful. Oh, yeah, me too. And he sort of brought a um, this sort of philosophy of uh, finances with self-love kind of thing. Right. Self-care, you know, he really, which was, which was neat. It yeah. was like, don't be so hard on yourself when you're thinking and talking and mm -hmm. strategizing your finances it doesn't have to be that way it's gonna be there every day of your life anyway you might as well find a uh, more of an enlightened enlightened way to approach it let's let's say yeah yeah, yeah i agree uh, yeah. if you found this episode to be as beneficial as we did please take a moment to subscribe to the podcast maybe give us a five-star review we would be immensely grateful we have an easy link for you to use, lovethepodcast.com slash Ventures, also linked in the show notes. As always, you can find us at arneradventures.com, on Instagram at arneradventures, also linked in the show notes. So until next time, enjoy the journey that you're on. We're wishing you lots of adventures. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>